What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Inspired Love program is now open for enrollment. If you've wanted to work with me in 2023, this is your opportunity, and you can apply now by going to inspiredloveprogram.com. When you go to that page, you'll have the opportunity to look over some information about the program. You can send in your application if you're ready to apply. And once your application is approved, you'll be able to book a discovery call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. I'm very excited about what we're gonna be doing in the program this year, and I want you to be there. So if you feel like this is the thing for you, go apply now, and we cannot wait to meet you on your discovery call. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Excited to be back with you, as always. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the past and how the past is the ultimate blockage to the future we want to have. So if you're sitting wherever you are right now and thinking, how am I going to get from here to where I want to be? You know, maybe you're single right now and you're thinking of a deep, loving, passionate relationship you want to have, or maybe you're in some kind of complicated relationship situation and you're trying to, you know, say, how am I going to navigate this complicated situation towards the the love and the companionship and the partnership that, that I'm really looking for? So wherever you are right now and whatever, whatever it is that you want to experience in your future, I want to just presence before we get into it too much today, that the only thing standing in the way of the future you want to have is your past. So the only thing, if you're saying I'm single, I want a hot, juicy, passionate, loving relationship. If you're saying I'm, you know, in some kind of situationship or, or, uh, you know, whatever it is, or maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe, maybe it's in another area of your life, but whatever Whatever you say you want in your life, wherever you say you're going, whatever you want to create, let's just start with the idea that the only thing standing in the way of that is your past. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is, you know, I thought it was really great. Um, Many of you are aware that the Inspired Love Program is now open for enrollment. This is, uh, the, the Inspired Love Program is something that just, I pour my heart and my soul into it is, uh, it is a complete program where we talk about every aspect of manifesting a conscious relationship. Uh, we go through somatic process together. We, we do lots of coaching, lots of deep work. We, we do a lot of work around the past and the traumas. And I'm going to talk about some of that today. But the reason, the reason this came up for me is uh, every time I launch a new program, it's always important for me to also invest in myself. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to be in service to others, Like I need to also be investing in myself and I need to be growing and I need to be learning so that way I'm in a position where I have something to give. And as I was looking, um, as I was looking for, you know, what, what kind of program I wanted to do this year or, or, you know, what, who I wanted to work with, um, I found some of you may know a man named Peter Crone. Um, he's an incredible coach. He's, you know, worked with the Navy SEALs and worked with, um, I don't know, I mean, top athletes, top performers, and, and, you know, he's just a really, really awesome coach. And so I decided to work with him this year, and um, I'm starting his mastermind actually this coming Friday, but I joined him for a little like new year workshop that he put on. 
And in that workshop, he was talking about this idea of, you know, your past is the thing blocking you from the future you want. And this isn't a new idea for me. I mean, it's something we explore in detail in the Inspired Love program. It's it's something that, you know, in, in all the years of work I've done, this is definitely not a new idea. But even in the way that he was breaking it down, it opened some things up for me. And I, I saw some places in my life where even with all the work I've done, and I'm, you know, I'm far from enlightened. <laughs> you, those of you who know me know that I, I don't claim to be any kind of enlightened person. But, but you know, even in all the work I've done, and as conscious as I think I am, and as much as I know, I still saw while I was sitting in that workshop how many areas of my life are governed by my fear of, of things that have happened in the past. And so I just, I wanted to explore this idea with everybody today, and I wanted to kind of just break it down. And, you know, what Peter said in the workshop that really stood out to me is our mind is simultaneously trying to reconcile our past traumas, regrets, fears, whatever it is, while at the same time trying to create the future we want to have. And... And somewhere in the middle of all that, it's trying to mitigate the painful experiences from the past and make sure they never happen again. And I mean, just just saying that sounds exhausting, right? Like even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm exhausted just talking about it. Because this, this is the, the condition that most of us are living in 99% of the time. And if you wonder why you don't feel like you have the energy you want to have, if you wonder why you don't feel like you have the vitality you want to have, if you wonder why you don't feel like you have the passion or the excitement that you want to have for your life or your, you don't have the ability to dream up a future and be connected to it, the reason, the reason that all of that happens, the reason our energy and our vitality and our passion is, is drained and is not available to us is because of what I just said. It's because our mind is so exhausted by constantly trying to reconcile the past while also imagine a future we want to have. And somewhere in the middle of all that, it's trying to mitigate all the pain of the past and make sure it never happens again. And what happens is our past shapes our identity. It shapes who and what we believe we are. It shapes what we believe is possible for us. You know, when you're looking at a potential partner, even let's say you're, let's say you're out with some friends and maybe you're at some kind of event or a party or you're out at the club or whatever you might be doing. And let's say you see somebody there that you think is, oh my God, like that's, that's exactly the kind of person I would want to be with. Well, immediately, and you know, tell me in the comments if I'm wrong about this, but I don't think I am immediately. What you do, whether you think about it consciously or whether it's just a feeling, but you start to feel how you don't think you could have that person or how you don't think it could work out or the anxiety of what it would be like to be rejected by that person or the fear of what it would be like if, if they turned you down or, if, you know, and, and all of this stuff just starts to come right up to the surface. Now, most of us, and honestly, I think... If I were to say one difference between me and the people I work with, because I, I, I have all the same stuff going on, 
But I think one difference is that I have trained myself to explore that when it comes up. And most of us are so automatic about it that it's like, not only do we not explore it, but we almost don't even realize it's there. It's like the, the past lives within us like this dense, heavy weight. So we're trying to walk towards the future, but it's like we have bricks tied to our ankles. And this experience of it has become so normalized and so widely accepted. And just so like we just we just expect it to be there that we don't even question it. And I remember I remember years ago, you know, like I remember like being on the phone with my friend about some girl I was interested in or some, excuse me, woman that I was interested in. And I would be, you know, like talking to my friend about it and well, what should I do about this or what should I do about that? And just like so in it. And at the time, I didn't even think there was something wrong with that. You see, at the time that I was in it, and I had these obsessive thoughts about, you know, is it going to work? Is it not? What should I say? What should I do? You know, should I pull back? Should I step forward? Should I, you know, all this stuff. And in my mind, I thought I was actually figuring something out. And I would call my friends. I talked to my friends about it. And, you know, I, I had a couple of friends who were particularly good with the ladies. And, and I'd always call them and be like, what do you think I should do about this? What do you think I should do about that? And in my mind, I thought I was actually figuring something out. And those of you who do this, I want you to listen right now, right? Those of you who are in the constant rumination, the constant thinking, what should I say? What should I do? Are they thinking about me? Should I text them? Should I call them? Should I not? Blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Those of you who are living in the constantness of that, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Because if you're like me, you think you're figuring something out. And I want you to know you're not figuring anything out. All you're doing is reinforcing the limited identity of the past. If you were to be in the present moment without any baggage from your past, let's, let's go back to that scenario where you're in the club or you're at the party or whatever, and you see that person that you think, oh, I'd really like to be with a person like that. Well, if you were in the present moment without any baggage from your past, what would happen is you would see that person and you would recognize the only thing that exists in your relationship with that person is pure possibility. That's it. The only thing that exists in your relationship with that person is pure possibility. There is no truth about it. There is no, like, none of it's happened yet. Like, literally, that relationship is determined by how you show up to them, what you say to them, how you interact with them, how you feel when you're together, how many, like, the, the conversations you have, the common interests you share. Like, like, and none of that has happened yet, right? So the only thing you could honestly say about that relationship with that person is that I don't know. The only thing you could honestly say about that is I don't know. Anything could happen. If I walk up and talk to that person, the only thing I know for sure 
is that this is a space of pure possibility and anything could happen. But you see, that's not how you show up when you go try to talk to that person. Because you don't believe that it's a space of pure possibility. What you believe is that the results of that relationship have already been determined based on what you believe you're worth based on your identity from the past. I'm going to try to make that a little more clear. I know that might have been confusing. You don't recognize in that moment that the only thing that exists is pure possibility. What you think is, are they going to like me or are they not? Am I going to be enough for them or am I not? Are they going to think I'm hot and sexy or are they not? And you see, you don't recognize that all of those things are determined by how you show up in the moment. You don't recognize that all of those questions about, you know, are they going to like me? Are they not? Are they going to think I'm hot and sexy? Are they not? Like, that that's not a fixed reality. That's not like you're going to show up and they're going to be like, I like you or not, or you're sexy or you're not. All of that is determined by how you show up in the relationship with the person. And the reason you think it's such a fixed thing, the reason you think it's such a fixed reality is because you've already defined yourself based on who you know yourself to be based on your past. So I want to know if this is making sense. If this is making sense right now, just go ahead and tap that heart a few times. I want to know if this is all making sense. Because based on who you believe yourself to be, based on your past, you unconsciously assume that the possibility for your future is already determined. Now, most of this is happening on a subconscious level. Most of, so most of this, it's not like, it's not like in that moment when you see that person, you're going like, oh, well, you know, he reminds me of somebody that I knew in middle school and that person in middle school didn't like me and that made me feel unworthy. And so now I'm relating with him as though he's the same person I knew in middle school. Like you don't do all of this consciously. It's, it's like, it's already there and it's already automatic. It's just boom. It's like, (laughs) it's there. Right. And, and so we think it's normal. And I mean, in reality, it is normal because we all do it to a large degree. But the reason we think it's normal is because it's happening so automatically. And most of us have never taken the time to stop and investigate this. You see, that's what I said earlier. I think the only main difference between me and the people I work with is that when I see this stuff in myself, I have trained myself to investigate it. Whereas most people, it's happening so automatically and they're not even aware of it until it's too late. When we look at our past and, and you know, let's, let's like just, let's just play this scenario out from the very beginning. And I'll actually use my story because that'll make it as real as possible, right? So let's say I was born into a family where we didn't have a lot of money. And I grew up, and I know I wasn't the only one who didn't have a lot of money, but when I was a kid, it felt that way. (laughs) I know other people had the same kind of financial challenges we did, but when I was a kid, it didn't feel that way. It felt like everyone else had more opportunity than I did. And so from a very young age, I started to view myself as somebody who had limitations that other people didn't. 
Now, I understand a lot of you are probably going, oh, well, that's my story as well. I know it's all of our story, right? But it's all about the perception. You see, it's not, it's not the truth that I didn't have opportunities. I mean, to some degree, there might be some truth there. But in a, in a large way, it's not that I didn't have opportunities. It's the way it was my perception of the situation because of the storyline I was raised in, because of the storyline that my mother lived in, and because of the storyline that her parents lived in. And that storyline was passed down to me about we don't have as much money as other people have. And so because of that, there's less available to us. And I just naturally took that on. Why? Because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. And that kind of shaped my whole childhood. Now, I also, in addition to that, had a mom who was a religious fanatic. So, and I love my mom very much. So I'm not saying anything negative about her, but this was just the reality of my experience, right? So in addition to having money circumstances that set me apart from everyone else, I also had religious circumstances that set me apart from everyone else. You know, my friends want to go out on a Sunday and have some fun. And my mom's saying, no, we don't do things like that on Sunday. Right. So I, and I'm just talking about early childhood. I'm just talking about being, you know, seven years old and younger. And these are the impressions that I'm getting about myself already in my own mind, making differences between myself and everyone else already in my own mind, drawing conclusions and interpretations about myself that say, I don't have as much as them. I can't do as much as them. I'm not able to fit in as well as them. I'm not able to participate in the same ways that they are and on and on and on and on and on. Now, there were a lot of great qualities about my childhood. There, there were a lot of great things about my mother. She, she did a lot of things really, really right. So, you know, I'm not saying that I had a bad mother or I had bad parenting, but I'm just talking about the impressions I received as a child and how that shaped my identity. Now, if we start out at a young age and I don't care who you are or what circumstances you were raised in, you have your own version of this. See, so you might be like, well, my parents weren't religious fanatics and I had plenty of money. Like my family had plenty of money. Okay, awesome. So if that wasn't your story, figure out what your story is, right? If my story wasn't your story, then what is your story? You see, maybe you had money and you felt like other people didn't. And maybe that set you apart, right? Maybe that's the way you set yourself apart from others. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe you, maybe it wasn't about money. Maybe it was about you were more of a, a bookish kind of person. And because you were more of a bookish kind of person, you didn't feel like you could fit in well with all the other kids who were being all active and hyper. You were more a kid who liked to read or something like that, right? So, you know, you've got to fill in the blanks here with your own story. But I promise you, we've all done this. We've all done this to a degree. It's, I don't want to say it's in our nature, but given the nature of the world that we were born into and raised into and the, the circumstances of life that we've all been brought up in and the toxicity of the generations that our parents grew up in, I promise you, you have your own version of this. So then what happens is we're talking about like early life, right? Like first seven years of life here. But now what happens in say the next seven years of life or the next 10 years of life as you start to go out and you start to build your own friendships and you start to have a life outside of your family, whether that's with your friends at school, whether that's with your boyfriends and girlfriends or whatever it might be. 
and you start to go out and you start to have your own relationships and you start to interact in the world as your own person, well, you're not starting from scratch. Even at 10 years old, you already have a lot of baggage. You already have a lot of stuff. And so you show up to school and I remember like first day of school, I'd be like, I'm going to kill it this year. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to be popular. I'm going to have fun. But like, this was, you know, me walking into the first day of school. Right. But then immediately when I would get there and I would be faced with the other kids and people maybe already had their friends group that I wasn't a part of, or maybe the, the pretty girls, or if, if you're interested in men, then the pretty, the, the good looking boys in class. Right. And they, and they all look cool and, and hot. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know if I could fit in with them. And you see what starts to happen is those early impressions that you picked up early in life come up in your body like an automatic response. And you know, on my way to school that morning, I'm feeling like I'm going to rock it this year. I'm going to kill it. It's going to be great. But then I walk into school and the, the trauma and I didn't even have a particularly traumatic childhood, but I still picked up trauma in a sense of feeling not enough, in a sense of, in a sense of feeling less than or feeling left out or feeling different or feeling isolated. And because of that, I'm showing up on the first day of school and walking in the door feeling like I'm going to kill it this year. And then this, as soon as I'm confronted with the reality of the situation, all that trauma shows up in my body. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Are they going to like me? Are they not? And then, and then what starts to happen is within the first few days of school, I'm going like, yeah, I don't think this is going to be the year I thought it was going to be. And what has shifted in my perception is that I went from thriving mentality, I'm going to kill it this year, to surviving mentality. I just got to get through this. I just got to get by. And so let's say in the first seven years of life, you pick up some limiting ideas about yourself. I'm different. I don't fit in. Some Some of you may have gone through more severe trauma, whether that was you know, some kind of sexual abuse, whether that was some kind of physical abuse, whether you were, you know, emotionally or or criticized by your family or your parents in some way, right? So whether you were bullied by older siblings or kids at school, right? So all of this plays a part. And let's say in the first seven years of life, you experienced some of that in whatever degree you did. And then let's say in the next 10 years of your life, you know, seven to 17, you are living with the impressions you picked up in those first seven years. And then let's say you reach 17, 18 years old and you weren't really killing it the way you would have liked to in middle school and high school. You know, some of you, maybe you did. And if you did, awesome. I'm really happy for you. But most of us didn't, right? Most of us survived middle school and high school. Most of us just got through it. And then what happens is we're going into adulthood 
and we're looking at what our careers are going to be. We're looking at, you know, what kind of relationships we're going to have. We're looking at how the rest of our life is going to play out, but we're not viewing it from a space of possibility. Again, like, like I said earlier, if you were to be in the present moment in that club, when you see that person you're attracted to, you would realize that the only thing that exists in that relationship is pure possibility. You see, at 17, 18 years old, when we're taking our first steps into the adult world, if we didn't have all this baggage of, you know, all the limiting impressions about ourself that we had picked up throughout our life, we, we would see the future as simply a space of pure possibility. Anything can happen. But we don't see that. And so at 18 years old, we show up to life the same way I showed up to the first day of school, right? We go from thriving mentality to surviving mentality. And then it becomes about not succeeding in life in all the most magnificent ways, succeeding in love, succeeding in career, succeeding in relationships, succeeding, you know, it doesn't become about that. It becomes about surviving. And so we say things like, how can I make sure I don't fail? How can I make sure, you know, a, a lot of us, a lot of us went and got a really secure job that we knew would pay the bills with no regard to what our true passion might've been. You know, like most, most children didn't say, when I grow up, I want to be a tax attorney. <laughs> no offense to any tax attorneys out there, right? But most children didn't say, when I grow up, I, I want to, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, you know, jobs. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything because, you know, all, all jobs are relevant and we need all of them. But, but most children did not say that they wanted to be these things growing up. But when we, by the time we reach adulthood, most of us have had the passion suffocated out of us and we're living completely in survival. And the reason we're doing that is because that's what we were taught by our parents and teachers, everybody, you know, I remember, I remember I had an English teacher and God bless him. You know, he was a good teacher and he was, I think, you know, when he made this suggestion, he was really coming from a good place. And I think he was, I think he was trying to serve me, but this was my senior year of high school. And I, I mean, I literally could have done anything with my life. I was a relatively good student and, you know, I could have potentially done anything with my life. And he came up to me and he told me he thought I should be a physical therapist. Now, again, that's not a bad job. And I'm sure there are people who are passionate about that. And, and I'm sure that there are, you know, I'm sure that that's a great thing for a lot of people but it was nothing even remotely in the realm of anything I ever wanted to do. It didn't play into my unique skills or talents. And he comes up to me and he says, I think you should be a physical therapist. And I know where he was coming from when he said that. He was coming from a very realistic place of how he thought I could have a successful life. But this is the problem. This is the problem is... When he was sharing that with me, 
he was speaking from his limited identity. You know, when he was a child, he probably didn't want to say, I want to be a high school English teacher when I grow up. You know, he had found something that allowed him to survive. And he was transmitting that same message to me. This is how I think you can survive. And this is the impression we've gotten from our parents, from our teachers, from all the, quote, grown-ups in our life. We have been taught to survive, not to thrive. We have been given a fear-based prescription of how to live life. And so when we show up to love, and now I'm going to talk about love, when we show up to love, all of that is transmitted straight into our love lives. And most of us don't believe that we can have the kind of loving relationship that we truly want to have. You know, I did a lot of work on myself for a lot of years, but when I met my wife, or let me say this, if I had met my wife at an earlier point in my life, I would have not been able to be the man that she fell in love with. And that's, that's just simply the truth. If I had met my wife, at a different point in my life, I would have either said, out of my league, not going to work. Or I would have maybe tried to go for it, but had too much shame and had too much doubt. And I would have been weird and I would have said weird things. And I would have either come on too strong or played it too cool or somewhere in the middle. And it would have been awkward and it would have been weird and she would have lost interest. And this is what we all do. You know, I put up a post on social media this morning and I, I know some people get triggered by it and, and that's okay. You know, if it gets triggered, that's, that's an opportunity to, to, that's an opportunity to look at what is landing for you there, because if it meant nothing to you, you wouldn't get triggered by it. But if it triggers you, that means it means something to you. And rather than getting pissed off about it, you should investigate what does it mean that is triggering you? Because that means, that means it's resonating in a way that makes you uncomfortable. But what the post says is they didn't reject you. You doubted your worth from the moment you met them. And the whole time you were with them, you were afraid that they were going to lose interest or find you lacking in some way. And because of that, you played your cards in a way that led to that exact result. See, they didn't reject you, but you doubted your worth from the very beginning. And because of that, you orchestrated the whole relationship to show up for you in a way that would validate the way that you feel about yourself in your heart. And how do I know this? I know this because I did it about a million times. I know this because this is what happened with every woman I liked most of my life. And this is what happened for me is I would find a woman that I thought reflected the kind of person I would really want to be with. And I would immediately feel about this big next to her. For those of you who are hearing the audio, I'm, I'm putting my fingers up with a little this big thing, right? So I, I would identify, here's somebody, that kind of woman I think I would really want to be with. And I would feel about this big next to her. And maybe I would try to go for it because I've always, 
I've always been somebody who, you know, it's kind of like, if, if you don't go for it, you're already lost. And I've always kind of understood that. So, so sometimes I would try to go for it, but I just could not get the confidence and the security to be able to show up for her in a way that she would actually reciprocate that. The other thing I would do is I would find people that I perceived as being below my standard. And then I would control the relationship and, and keep them on my hook, but make sure that I was in absolute control of the situation. Now, for those of you who are with me right now, uh, tap that heart a few times if you've done one or both of these things. And so all my relationships were reflections of this unworthiness. Whether it was, whether it was, I was so, I was so feeling so small next to the person that I just couldn't even show up in a big way. Or whether it was, I was so afraid of feeling unworthy and having that person see me as unworthy that I would find relationships that I could control. So I would never be put in a position where I had to confront that. But all of it, whether I was going to one extreme or the other, all of it were simply methods of surviving my own feelings of unworthiness that came from my past that came from my childhood, that came from my high school girlfriend when I was 16 years old cheating on me, you know, when, when I thought I had found true love and I, 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 really, I really felt like I could be secure in a relationship for the first time and then had the rug pulled out from under me and found out she was cheating with a mutual friend of ours, right? And so whatever, whatever security I thought I had found turned out to be a lie and and then I never trusted relationships again, at least not for a long time. And so I was not living life from a space of pure possibility, from, from the knowingness that I could create my life. I was living my life from the fear of rejection, from the fear of abandonment, from the fear of being alone, from the fear of having to feel my unworthiness or what I believed was my unworthiness. And my entire life and all my relationships were orchestrated around mitigating that experience. So the question I would pose for everyone today is how have you defined yourself based on your past? What are the assumptions that you've made about yourself based on your past? How do you view yourself based on your past? And can you see how that is showing up in every area of your life right now? My friend Michael, um, which by the way, uh, next week's podcast is, is actually going to be an interview with Michael. He's a men's coach. But my friend Michael, he said it like this before. He said, um, it's, it's, like, it's like the water or the broth in soup. It's in every bite, right? Like if you make a soup, you can't get a bite of that soup without also getting some of the water or some of the broth. 
It's in every bite. Well, your past is like that. And the identity, it's, it's actually, it's not your past, but it's the identity that you've created because of your past. And it's in every bite of your life. Just like the water in soup. And if you look into your work life, you'll see it there. If you look into your intimate life, you'll see it there. If you even look at, let's take a really simple example. What are things you want to do, but you can't find the time for? Your inability to find the time is your unworthiness. I want everyone to hear that. You say, oh, I'm just too busy. I really want to do this, but I can't find the time. Well, that is simply a reflection of you not feeling worthy enough to give yourself time to do things that would make you happy. Money is the same thing. You know, I want to do this, but I, I just don't have the money for it. Well, you have, that is a reflection of you orchestrating your life to mitigate your feelings of unworthiness. And all your relationship to money and the way money shows up for you, the feeling of it not being enough, it's a reflection of the feeling that you are not enough. And it's in every bite. It's in every bite. You can't escape it. Well, you can escape it. But you can escape it by operating over it. You escape it by... Well, let's just go into that. How do you escape it, right? So when it comes to releasing the past, what this, what this identity does is it creates a certain vibrational state. And how you see yourself creates a, a certain vibrational state that then your whole life becomes a reflection of that vibrational state. And so I, I think there's really a two-part approach here. And in my opinion, you need both parts. You need to recognize how it's showing up, right? So is it showing up in your dating life? Is it showing up in your love life? Is it showing up when you go on dates with people and the level of anxiety you feel waiting for them to call or are they going to call me or do they like me? Is it showing up in your anxiety? Is it showing up in your fear that you're going to end up alone and nobody's ever going to want to be with you? Is it showing up in your relationship to money? Is it showing up in your relationship to your career? Is it showing up in your relationship with your family members? Is it showing up in your relationship with your friends? But start to identify all the places in your life that are reflections of not enough in some way. Anywhere that it's not enough. There, there's this group of friends that, you know, I'm kind of connected to, but not really, and I don't feel like I really belong. Okay, what that means is you don't feel like you're enough for them. You know, well, you know, there are things I want to do. I want to take a trip. I want to do this, but I just never have the time or the money. Okay. That's a, that's a not enough reflection. You know, I, I go on dates with people, but I, I just, I don't feel like I'm enough for them. Okay. That's a not enough reflection, right? So start to identify 
all the places in your life where you feel that you're not enough, where some aspect of your life is a reflection of not enough. And and start to own that, start to be responsible for that. You see, most of us, because this is so uncomfortable for this, and I understand a lot of what I'm saying right now may, may, may make a lot of you uncomfortable. And if it does, like, one, good, because we're activating something important. And two, I love you and I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm trying to wake you up to something here. Because most of us don't want to be responsible for this. When we, when we see something in our life that is not enough, like money, like a relationship, like that, most of us want to excuse that thing. We want to justify it. And why do we want to justify it? Well, we want to justify it because being responsible for it activates the feeling of unworthiness. If there's some aspect in my life that I feel like I'm not enough for that person, or I feel like I'm not enough for that situation, or I feel like, you know, there's some aspect that's not enough, well, I want to explain it away. I want to give it an excuse. I want to give it a reason why it's okay. And when I do that, I repress my feelings of unworthiness and I give myself like a little hit of validation. Oh, well, they were just an asshole anyway. They were just a narcissist anyway. Now, sometimes that's true, okay? Sometimes they're just an asshole and they don't really belong in your life anyway. And when that's fine, it's perfectly okay to let them go. But sometimes they weren't just an asshole. Sometimes they were a perfectly fine human being and you showed up to the situation in a way that had them determine that they were not interested in you. And on some level, you know that you could have shown up to that situation differently. And that if you had shown up to that situation differently, if you had been more confident, if you had been more secure, if you had been able to just let it breathe for a few days and patiently wait for them to get back to you, if you had been able to just be cool about it, they may have actually liked you. You see, if you had been able to let them get the best of you instead of the worst of you, they actually might have fallen in love with you. And that is painful to confront. And believe me, before I met my wife, I had to confront this. So I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done myself. By the way, even though my relationship situation is pretty set right now, you know, I have a very healthy, conscious, loving relationship with my wife, and it's really, really good. I'm still doing this in other areas of my life. Okay, so, so please do not hear me preaching to you about something I'm not actively doing myself. And this is painful. It is painful to look at the missed opportunities of our life and own and be responsible for the fact that we missed those opportunities because we were too afraid to access something else within ourselves. But if you are unwilling to confront that, then you are dooming yourself to the same shit for the rest of your life. So I want everybody to hear that. If you are 
if you are unwilling to confront what I'm talking about right now, then all the aspects of your life that you hope are going to change, I hope I'm going to find the right partner. I hope I'm going to make more money one day. I hope, I hope, I hope they're not going to change. They're not going to change until you can confront what I'm talking about right now. But when you can confront it, and when you can say, okay, got it. I see this happening. I see how this is playing out in my life. I see how this is showing up for me. I, I see how I'm actually creating it. You see, most of us want to absolve ourselves of responsibility. No, own it. Acknowledge you're creating it. And then from that place, you can start to identify. Okay, so I understand I'm being run by my fears of being unworthy. I understand that I am trying to avoid the pain of facing up to everything that I think is not good enough about me. And because of that, I have locked myself into a small paradigm of life and what's possible. When you get to that place, you can start identifying what would be outside of that paradigm. So you might say, okay, so the next time I'm dating someone and they don't respond or they're not texting back or, or whatever, I see that what I need to do is I need to give them space, let it breathe and wait for them to come to me. And my ability to do that is actually going to communicate to them that I am a high value partner that I am living my life and that I'm not sitting around waiting and obsessing for them to text me back. And then you can begin to work toward that. And that's when you are going to activate all of the emotions and all of the fears and all of the doubts and all of the insecurities. And, and that's when you're going to have the opportunity to work through that. And little by little by little, it's not going to happen overnight but you can step into worthiness. And so the, there's the internal work of responsibility, awareness, and understanding. And then there's the external work of challenging it with action. And what I wanna say is, for those of you who may be hearing this and you go, okay, this makes sense, I get it right now. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. This resonates. I feel it. I see how I'm doing this, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do with it. If that's you right now, then you should be joining us in the Inspired Love Program. Because the Inspired Love Program is going to be an environment where one, we can work through all of this together so you can see how it's showing up. You can. We're going to map it out together. We're going to map out your past we're going to help you understand the impressions that you received, why you received them, how you received them, how it all connected together. Then we're going to then we're going to look at process of release, somatic release, getting into the body. Okay, where do you feel it in your body? Where are you holding it? Let's breathe it out. Let's do some inner exploration. Let's go through some guided process. We're going to do we're going to do a lot of somatic process around just recognizing and releasing. And then we're going to help you discover how to challenge yourself into the next step.
So what is the next step? How do you step into it? How do you challenge it? I just want to say, I see someone in the comments saying it's not possible to join it from Europe. Well, last time we did, and we had people getting up at 4.30 in the morning to attend the program. Now, I know everybody might not want to do that, but what I want to say here is like, you make it happen when you're committed to something. When something is important enough, you find a way. And all of your, now it would be okay to say, I have commitments and it's just not important to me. Like it's not important enough to me right now. That's fine. But, but your languaging right here, you say it's not possible to join from Europe. No, it is possible to join from Europe. You may not be willing to make accommodations to join from Europe, but that's a different thing. And it's important to point that out because I want you to start seeing how this is what I'm talking about. You're not living from a place of pure possibility. And that is a sign of unworthiness. You see, if you were to show up to this conversation in your complete worthiness, you would recognize that it's possible to do anything you want to do. And you may not be committed to it at this time. That's totally fine. If it's not your highest commitment right now, then honor your highest commitment. But live from the space of possibility. Live from the space of you can create whatever you want to create. And start to own that worth within yourself. Start to own that ability, that creative ability within yourself. And I'm not just talking about the program here. I know I am talking about the program, but I'm talking about your whole life. Like where in your life do you look and say it's not possible? Of course it's possible. People are doing it right now. But just because you're not doing it, you say it's not possible. And that is a lie to yourself. Like I would like, I would like for everybody right now to just get the word not possible out of your vocabulary. All of it's possible. And yes, you get to be discerning about what am I going to commit to and what am I not going to commit to. And that's okay. It's totally within your right to make discerning decisions about what you're committed to and what you're not. But live in the space of it's all possible. That relationship you want, it's possible. It's possible. That, that dream that you have, that life that you're dreaming about, it is possible. Uh, I see someone asking if I've ever taken Landmark. So I used to be a trainer for a program that was similar to Landmark. It, it wasn't Landmark, but it was a similar program. I used to deliver those trainings. And, and I want to I bring it all together because you sitting here saying it's not possible is your past and your limited identity from your past sitting here in your life telling you now what you can and can't do. You know, like if we want to talk about money, I mean, look, I, I shared in the beginning, I grew up in a context of no money. Okay. We used to go, we used to go get our food from the church. I grew up with no money. I know what it's like to come from no money. I, I, I lived most of my life in fear and anxiety if I was going to be able to pay the rent that month. But there have been times when it was important to me to get money together for something. 
And I would get thousands of dollars together in a week. I'd start reaching out to people. Hey, can I do any work around your house? What do you need? Like anything and everything. Like I'm willing to do it. I need to get $10,000 together by next month. And and like, I'm going to do anything it takes to do it. And I did it. And, And I want to say the times in my life when I chose to do that are the times when I rewrote my internal narrative around money. And I started to realize what an abundant universe we live in. And me doing that with money definitely helped me in my love life. Because I started to realize that I could do the same thing with love. That I could, that I could show up in a way that could attract a partner into my life. The same way that I could show up in a way that could attract a certain amount of money into my life. And so, you know, the, the message that I really want everyone to take away, and yes, I, I, want, I want all of you to join the program because it's going to be amazing. And we're going to do incredible work together. And those of you who are with me in this, you're going to get incredible value. But, but I'm not just talking about the program here. I'm talking about your life. And I'm talking about any time you say that it's not possible, you've got to recognize that's not you talking. That's your limited identity from your past talking. And start to challenge that. Anytime you hear those words come out of your mouth, say to yourself, hold on, hold on, hold on, Shane. Okay, you just said it's not possible, but you know it's possible. Okay, if you were really committed, if your life was on the line right now, you could find a way. So you know it's possible. Now, you can honestly ask yourself, am I committed to this right now? Does this, you know, do I feel in in the deepest parts of my being that this is the right thing for me in this moment, in this time? You know, like you can definitely feel into that and you can definitely be discerning. But know that it's possible. And operate in your life as though it is possible. And make your decisions in life from that place. I hope this is making sense. You are not your past, okay? You are not the limited story that you developed in childhood from your abuse, from your trauma. You are not that. And in this moment, you can begin to redefine yourself. And yes, yes, you are going to have vestiges of that, okay? As you start trying to redefine yourself, as you start looking at that person and you say, wow, I'd really love to be with a person like that. And that voice inside of you goes, you could never have someone like that. Someone like that could never love you. You're going to have those vestiges of that. You're going to have those thoughts and those feelings and they're going to be present for you. But, and this is something I've said many times before, start to get to the place where you hold those thoughts and feelings rather than having those thoughts and feelings holding you. Start to work yourself to a place where you see that and you say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to him anyway. 
you know what? I'm just going to give them my number and see if they call. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to reach out and send them a text and say hello and see if they respond. And if they don't, I'm going to feel whatever I feel about it. But I am no longer going to allow that to reinforce the idea that I am not worthy. I'm going to start challenging that. And I'm going to challenge it internally by becoming aware of my own thoughts and my own feelings. And I'm going to challenge it externally by going out in the world and doing things that I thought were impossible. You know, for those of you, um, some of you have reached out and, you know, said you wanted to do the program and you just couldn't afford it. And I understand. And look, if, if you have other commitments right now and financially that's where your commitments are and, and you don't want to invest in the program, I get it. And I wouldn't want you to. But for those of you who feel in your heart that this is the right thing for you right now and the only thing standing in your way is money, I would challenge you to get the money together. You have a month to do it. Why not? Why not just try that on and see? Worst case scenario, you don't do the program anyway, but you have a bunch of money you weren't going to have. Sounds like a win-win. Why don't you just try it on and test your own creative ability and just see how powerful you actually are? That would be my challenge. And again, I've done this many times in my life. I can't tell you how many times I got a few thousand dollars together in a matter of a week for something I wanted to do, starting from nothing. Like my message here, yes, join the Inspired Love Program. If you feel like it's the right thing, do it. But beyond that, my message is don't buy your own limitations. Don't be convinced of your own limitations in your own mind. When you see them, challenge them. Say, no, 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 no. I'm not buying into that. Not this time. And then start to see what you feel is possible in your life coming from that place. That's my challenge for everyone. And I hope that lands. All right, so I want to take some questions now. Um, I'm going to scroll back through here and just read what we have. And, and the questions are going to be great because it's going to give us an opportunity to apply what I've been talking about so far. Okay, so you say, I catch myself doing uh, all of it with the aim in mind to get the guy and not really for myself. Okay, so the question is that you've grown and you've learned a lot when it comes to self-love, but you feel like you're doing all of it to get the guy rather than just doing it for yourself. So what I want to what I want to speak into about this, and I see some of you uh, dropping questions, so I'm going to get to some other questions as well. But I want to what I want to speak into with all of this is that, as I said before, there are going to be some vestiges. You know, there's a lot of momentum here. I mean, if, if you look at how old you are, and you, you all might be different ages, but if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you know, you've been living with this stuff for a long time. And I don't know at what point you started consciously working on it, but there was, you know, probably relatively recently, some of you, maybe not, some of you 
Some of you may, be in, may have been in this work for a decade or longer, but a lot of you have probably, you know, recently started working on it or recently coming into awareness about this stuff. And there's a lot of momentum, okay? You have maybe 30, 40, 50 years of momentum behind you of these stories. And, and then what we do is we collect evidence for the stories, right? So it's like, I have the story that I'm not worthy and then somebody rejects me and then I go, oh, see, I knew it. I'm not worthy. And then I pile that on as evidence. And then I, I start to accumulate, like, it, it's like I build a case against myself for my lack of worthiness. And in this, in this case that I'm building against myself, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of momentum. And so when you start trying to turn this around, you're going to experience all that momentum. So it's like, it's like you're trying to turn the corner and kind of go in a new direction, but the thoughts and the feelings are just coming and coming and coming and coming. And so you're like, I want to do it this way, but it's all just coming still. And what you want to do with that is just, you want to practice gentleness you want to practice compassion. But what I would also like to point out for you is just because the old thoughts are there doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing the same thing you've always been doing. Okay? So you said you've learned a lot about self-love, you know, doing these things for yourself, not just to get the guy or not just to get what you want, but just doing it out of genuine act of self-love. So if your intention, if your intention in your heart is I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to love myself deeply. And I, I just want to do things to love and care for myself in a deep way. And I don't want it to be attached to getting some external result. I just, I just want to do it for the sheer joy and love of doing it. And if that, like, from the bottom of your heart, if you just, you just want that so badly, and you're doing your best to do that, but then you have this momentum coming of, of these thoughts and these feelings and are they going to like me? Are they not? Are they going to reject me? Am I going to be alone? Am I going to, you know, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that, right? There's all that momentum. It's still going. It's like if you're going, if you're going 100 miles an hour and then you slam on the brakes, you're going to move forward, right? I just said that into the mic. That was probably loud. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, so if you hit the brakes, you're going to go forward, right? So that's normal. But what I want you to recognize is it's not necessarily that you're not doing it. Because in your heart, you probably are doing it. And you're also experiencing the momentum from everything you've been doing for all these years. And over time, you want to become more and more grounded in that intention in your heart. And, and it's, it's kind of like you're moving the energy from your mind to your heart in a way. And, and you become more and more grounded in what you're doing in your heart and less and less invested in your mind. And as you do that, you, 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 you do, you start to change your vibrational state. So 
what I want to say is do your best to do the right thing. Sometimes people call this like fake it until you make it. And I don't, I don't think it's faking it until you make it. I, I think it's doing as much as you can do right now. And then being gentle with yourself about what you can't do right now. And giving yourself a space to grow into it. Giving yourself some space to kind of naturally just step into it. You know, the, the thing that is going to work against you is saying, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And then having the thoughts and the feelings that make you feel like you're not doing it. And then beating yourself up for that. Because when you start beating yourself up, you are actually identifying with that old identity. Right? When you beat yourself up, you're actually saying, this is who I am and I'm mad at myself for being this. But when you don't beat yourself up about it, what you're actually doing is you're saying, that's not who I am. And because that's not who I am, I don't have to take that so seriously. I can just kind of gently give it some love, give it some tenderness, you know, um, in the Inspired Love Program, we're going to do some work with inner child healing. And inner child healing is, is literally kind of what I'm talking about right now, where it's like you see this wounded child who's so afraid and, you know, there's all this anxiety of, am I going to be loved? Am I going to be validated? Are they going to want me? Am I going to be secure? Am I going to be safe? And these are childhood fears, right? Like, you know, these aren't, these aren't our adult fears, these are childhood fears. These are fears that were programmed into you in the first seven years of life. And now as an adult, these childlike fears are being projected into these adult situations. And so when you see this person who's really hot and sexy and you go, wow, I'd really like to be with someone like that. This little inner child who didn't get the love and you know attention they needed from mommy and daddy and all that is going, oh, somebody like that could never love me. Why? Because you didn't get what you felt like you needed from the caretaker that meant the most to you. And so these are, these are childhood fears that are then being projected into your adult life. And the way inner child healing works and what we're going to do in the program is we're going to develop a relationship with that inner child. And then, and then what you're going to do is you're going to be able to recognize those childhood fears and rather than beat yourself up for them, you're going to be able to nurture and care for them. You're going to be able to meet them with kindness, with love, with understanding, with compassion. And in the moment that you do that, you are no longer identified with the wounded inner child. You're now identified with the responsible adult who is responsible for creating your life. You see, when you, when you see these childhood fears and you say, it's okay, it's, it's okay, it's gonna be all right, you know, you are enough and whether this person likes you or not is not a reflection of your worth, you know, but, and, and you know, you can just kind of kindly talk to yourself the way you would want a loving parent or a loving friend to talk to you. In the moment you do that, you are identifying with the responsible adult. 
and responsibility is creative power. That's what I was saying earlier. By taking responsibility for this, you open up possibility in your life. So what I want to say to to summarize, to answer the question is don't confuse Don't confuse the the thoughts you have and the fears you have and the anxieties you have with meaning that you're not doing it right. But more and more start to become grounded in that heartfelt intention of, I want to do this out of love for myself. And when those fears and those anxieties and those uncertainties come up, just try to meet them with love and gentleness and compassion. All right, so I hope that answers the question, sending love. I know it's a challenging journey. I'm on it too. We, we all are. We all are. You know, anyone, anyone who tells you they're not on the journey, I would be seriously suspect about them. In my experience, those people are not the real deal. Um, you know, we're all on this journey and we're all, we're all learning how to deal with the uncomfortable aspects of ourselves. And the people who feel like they've arrived or feel like they have it all together are usually, in my experience, people who have a lot of aspects of themselves that they're not willing to deal with. So just uh, just food for thought. Um, Okay, here's a great question. Here's a great question. Um, M1604 says, how to stop treating the partner as a mother or father figure. How to stop treating the partner as a mother or father figure. So it's a great question. Um, so this is a dynamic that uh, I think when you get intimately involved with someone and you get beyond the honeymoon phase. And I, I think, you know, in my experience, like, this came up in certain ways in the first couple years of my relationship. And then it came up in other ways in like the next couple years. And then it's coming up in like deeper ways the, the further we get on. So I, I do feel like it's kind of like peeling away the layers of the onion, right? Where it's, and then at, at each new level, there's a new depth of working with it. But in an intimate partnership, what is going to happen for you and for your partner is you are going, let me say in your worst moments, okay, not in your best moments, but in your worst moments, you are going to default to the emotional relational dynamics that you had with your parents in childhood. You are going to feel the same things that you felt as a child and you are going to react in, in very similar ways to how you did as a child. And it's not about, it's not about being so enlightened that this doesn't happen. It's about being intelligent enough and insightful enough about being a human that you can know that this is going to happen. Okay. So I want everybody to get that right. So many of us, when we see the parts of ourselves that are unsavory, let's say, when we see our, our shadow, right? The, the parts of ourselves that we withhold or we hide. When we see those things, we try to get rid of them or make them go away. And 
The reason we do that is because of shame. And shame is a part of the identity from the past that I've been talking about. So, so being ashamed of your shadow or being ashamed of these parts of yourself that are unsavory it is not the way to healing. That's the way to repression, which means it's going to continue to come out in other ways. So the way to healing is to understand that you're a human being. You have childhood trauma. You have, you have aspects of yourself that were disintegrated or unresolved from childhood. And, you know, it might vary a little bit person to person. Your stuff might be a little bit different than my stuff, different from my wife's stuff. You know, it's not, it's not that we all have the exact same stuff, but we all have our own version of it. And know that when you get really intimate with someone and you are vulnerable, because love is vulnerable, when you open your heart to someone, they can hurt you. And when somebody has the ability to hurt you like that, it is going to bring you back to the feeling of being helpless as a child and how your parents had the absolute ability to lift you up or destroy you. Now, hopefully you had good parents who didn't do that, who didn't destroy you. Some of your parents did destroy you. And whether your parents were kind and loving or not, all of us felt that vulnerability of being completely dependent on our parents. And all of us felt what it feels like to look into our parents' eyes and, and see them looking back at us with love and to feel filled up by that and to feel, you know, a lot enlivened by that. And then when our parents would put us down and go into the other room, all of us felt what it felt like to be left alone like that. And, you know, as adults, we call that feeling rejection. It wasn't really rejection. It was just your parents were doing something else. But we, res but we feel what it's like to be left alone like that. And, you know, when you're, ch when you're a child, there is this absolute vulnerability. Like you're completely powerless over this. You're just at the complete mercy of your parents. And then as an adult, when you get into a very intimate relationship, there is a, a kind of absolute vulnerability in that. That this person has the absolute power, you know, if my wife comes up to me and puts her arms around me and gives me a big hug and a kiss and tells me how much she appreciates me and tells me how much she loves me and, and holds me closely, then I just feel amazing. And if she comes in and she tells me how wrong I am and how how, you know, much I screwed it up and how disappointed she is. And, and like, she has the power to like absolutely destroy me. And the only way to not be that way and vice versa, I could do the same to her. I could completely lift her up. I could completely destroy her. And the only way to not have that in a relationship is to close your heart to your partner. And when you... And by the way, that's just soul crushing. You don't want to do that. Nobody wants to feel that way in a relationship. So when you open your heart to your partner, you feel that same absolute vulnerability that you felt when you were a child. I hope this is all making sense. And because 
our egos are so afraid of those uncomfortable feelings of being hurt, of being let down, of being abandoned, of being rejected, because our egos are so afraid of this. What we try to do is we try to mitigate that pain somehow. And this is where our shadow comes out. This is where all those unsavory parts of ourself comes out. And so going back to the question, I know this is a long answer, but I wanted to give context for what we're talking about here. You are going to relate to your partner the same way emotionally that you related to your parents as a child. And then the work, similar to the last question that was asked, the way to heal this is to recognize what's happening, take responsibility for it, learn how to soothe yourself in those moments. So whether that's through meditation, whether that's through going for a walk, whether it's through you know some breathing exercises, whether it's through dancing and listening to music, I mean, there are lots of methods in, in, uh, in the Inspired Love program, actually, we, we explore many different self-soothing methods and teach you how to use them. So in any experience you might encounter in dating and relationships and anytime your anxiety is high or you feel very uncomfortable, we, we teach you healthy ways of dealing with those experiences rather than just going into a negative childhood reaction. And so... The, the way to heal is to recognize what's happening, understand what's happening, take some responsibility for it, and develop practices of dealing with it. And also, if you're in a relationship, develop a dialogue with your partner about, you know, my, my wounded inner child is feeling this right now. And, you know, like my wife and I are very clear, like when we know each other's stuff, we've, we've done enough work and we've been together long enough that we know each other's stuff. So when something happens, she knows exactly how I'm going to feel. And I know exactly how she's going to feel. Like, you know, for me, it it's like, I feel shame. I feel like, like I let her down. Like I failed, like I wasn't good enough for her. She feels like panic. She feels like I need to run. Like she, she goes into like, like it's not safe. I need to run. And those are, those are our childhood reactions that we go to. Hers comes out in like fear and avoidance. Mine comes out in shame and anger. And, and that's just how we learned to deal with these things as children. Now we're at a place in our own development and in our relationship with each other where we can see these reactions coming up, we understand them, we know what they're about. We we know, you know, for the most part how to love each other when these things come up. And and we know how to work with them within ourselves so we don't project it all onto our partner and start a big fight. And and, and let me say this, getting to the place we are now has been messy. <laughs> Okay, so it's not like, oh yeah, we just stepped right into it. Like, no, it's been messy. We've had to work through some stuff around it. And both of us had to work through a lot of this when we were single. To be in a place as single people when we met that we were able to create the kind of relationship we have now. And then I really feel like, you know, getting into a relationship was not the end of the journey. It was simply the next stage of it. 
It was like, I learned as much as I could learn on my own. And now I'm stepping into what it's like to learn in close relationship with another person. Right. And, and that's actually a whole different conversation, but just an important thing to note. A lot of us think that when we meet our person, we're done. No, you're not done. Actually, we, we could say like you, you just, you're just jumping into the advanced course at that point. Right. That, that's all that's happening. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. And let me just scroll through here. Uh, I just want to read some of the comments that have come in and I'll take at least one more question. I'm going to take a question from the Jack of all arts. Say, I was ghosted by several guys last year, even when they said they wanted the same things. How can I work to not attract these men? Is this more a culture or an individual issue? Many of you have heard me say, and I've said this many times, is that life will present a lesson over and over and over again until you learn it. And now, you know, if you and I were to sit down for a coaching session, I, I'd be able to get into this with you and ask you more questions and, and explore this in more detail. But I'm, I'm going to give you some insight based on what I, based on what I read from your question. And the first thing I hear in your question is resistance. How do I stop attracting this? And what that says to me when somebody says, how do I stop attracting this? What that says to me is there's a lot of resistance to it. And many of you may have heard the saying that what you resist persists, right? Many of you may have heard that. So when you're in resistance to being ghosted and there's a lot of fear around being ghosted and there's a lot of anxiety around being ghosted and it's on your mind when you're on a date with someone, are they just going to ghost me like the last person did? What you are creating is the vibration of being ghosted. You're actually, and, and I know it, it's, it, it really sucks the way it works because it's like you get ghosted and then you start to get afraid. And then the fear makes you worry about being ghosted and then you get ghosted again. And then that makes you more afraid. And then the fear makes you worry about it and then you get it again. And it becomes like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And the more you resist it, the more likely it is to happen. And it's a really vicious cycle and I get it. And, you know, I, sometimes I wish the universe worked differently, <laughs> you know, because the universe can be a place where you have to learn really hard, painful lessons. But what I'll say is it only becomes that place when you put yourself in that place. And the more you learn to accept whatever comes without fear and without judgment, the more the lessons become like gentle, sweet, loving lessons. So to answer your question, how do I stop attracting it? It would be to let go of the fear, the anxiety, and the resistance around being ghosted. So you've got to get to a place of like, if they ghost me, they ghost me. If they don't, they don't. If they ghost me, it's not meant to be. 
and, you know, not take it so personally. Because another thing that comes with this is the fear of, like, oh, if they ghost me and I get ghosted again, and then that means I'm not worthy. Nobody's ever going to love me. I'm going to be alone. And then you pile it on like evidence. And, and then you, you know, it's like I said earlier, like you're building this case against yourself. And then it ties into your feelings about your worthiness. It ties into your feelings about, or your fears about like, am I going to end up alone? And the, the key here, is to really be able to remain grounded in like, I know I'm on track for a certain kind of relationship. Like I know that I am going to find a loving, conscious, committed partner. And I know that we are going to have an amazing life together. And if it doesn't happen today, if it happens tomorrow, if it happens next week, if it happens next year, it's okay. I can wait patiently for it. And in the meantime, I can, you know, love myself through it. I cannot get too intensely reactive to anything that happens. I can accept the lessons along the way. So this is what I would do if I were you. You know, let's say if you get ghosted again, if it happens again, Instead of going, oh my God, it happened again. Why is this happening? What's wrong? How do I make it stop? Just go, okay, it happened again. And just feel into what you're feeling. And whatever's there, I'm not good enough. I'm going to end up alone. You know, no, nobody's going to love me. I'm not lovable. You know, maybe I'm not attractive enough. Maybe my weight's not right. Maybe my looks aren't right. Maybe maybe I, I don't say the right things. Whatever thoughts, feelings are there, you know, just like be with them and just, just try to be gentle with your reaction to it. And in the midst of, you know, being with the negative feelings about it, try to find a place in yourself where you can just say, it's okay. I know I can't miss what's right for me. I know that I am on track to everything that's meant for me in my life. And, you know, maybe this is a lesson I need to learn right now. And I'm going to really do my best right now to just learn the lesson, to really, to really feel what this is, to really feel into this and, and learn this lesson. I'm going to just really do my best right now. And just try to let that be enough and try to just leave it at that and then go do something else go for a walk go for a jog go go hang out with some friends go watch a movie go you know go but just that's what i would say start responding more gently to it instead of saying how do i stop attracting this say I'm going to attract this for as long as I attract it. And I'm going to be in acceptance of what's showing up for me. And I'm going to learn the lessons from it. And I'm going to digest the lessons in the most deep way I can. And I know, I know, I know, I know that when these lessons are no longer relevant for me, they won't be here. 
and I don't need to go into controlling all of it, making it, forcing it, pushing it. Uh, I just, I just need to like relax about it. Trust the process, trust every step of the way. All right. So that, that's my answer. I, I see you, uh, Jack of all arts. You say that was, so, that was so helpful. So awesome. Yeah. Just try to, just try to be easy on yourself. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to be the last question today. I know we've been going for a little while here, but, uh, sending so much love to all of you. Uh, happy new year. I know we're, what we're 10 days in now. So we're, we're rocking it and, uh, rolling into the new year. So just, you know, this year, I know last week I talked about setting your intentions and, and having this year, you know, let's, let's have this be your year of love, right? Loving yourself, loving other people, just being gentle, being compassionate, being less reactive, being patient, and just meeting every experience with love. Let's try that out this year, right? Uh, last thing I'm going to say, Inspired Love is open for enrollment. I know I've been talking about it all day, but you know, I just, I know it's not right for everybody and I'm not trying to get everybody to be there, but I'm talking to you right now. I want you, whoever you are, whoever's hearing this message, I want you to just take a moment and feel into like, is it right for me? Is it the thing for me to do at this time in my life? Is this the container that's going to serve me in taking that next step. And if the answer is yes, then make it happen. And, and let's, let's do it. And I'd love to have you in the program. And if the answer is no, awesome. Lots of love. Go find that, go find that thing that is right for you. All right. But I want everyone to just, you know, sit with that and, uh, and yeah, sending so much love, sending so much love to you. Happy new year. Blessings. I'll be back here next week. Um, by the way, I, I did mention, so uh, Michael, my friend Michael is going to be on the podcast next week. We're having a conversation about why men commit and why they don't. The podcast is going to be um, uploaded on the platform, but it's not going to be live on Instagram. So those of you who join me live every week, you're going to have to go subscribe to the podcast to hear this episode. Um, so sending, sending lots of love to everybody. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode. And I'll see you guys back here, all right? Bye, everybody. Take care. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at The Living Relationship, to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.